Well, as we move on in the book of Colossians, we're going to tackle verses 9 through 14 of chapter 1, a prayer for growth. You know, if you've just recently led someone to Jesus Christ, maybe you're praying for a child or a grandchild that's new to the faith. Maybe you're wondering what to pray for yourself or for others. Well, this is a perfect prayer to pray. It's a built-in prayer for growth, and it's today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and this morning the sermon is a prayer for growth, a prayer for growth. So what happens on many Easter Sunday uh, services and all around the United States, and for that matter the world, it seems like people come out of the woodwork to attend church. People who are not normally here come, and uh, usually I have a few jokes to make them feel horrible about showing up twice a year, and we make them feel very welcome, just kidding, we try to, try to be as nice as we can. But anyway, they come, and, and last Sunday we had about 10 people through the three services we did respond to the gospel. We had about 900 people go through here last Sunday. Our typical Sunday services are you know, about 700. So we had about 200 extra people come. And the question that I always have, yeah, it's, it's good, and you can clap for it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna balance what I'm saying with this. The question that I always have following those services is what now? What's gonna happen to them now? Are they gonna show up on a following Sunday to a church? Have they had a true encounter with the living God? Because we may have had 10 people respond and that may equal about three people per service and the angels rejoice over one, so don't get me wrong, I'm rejoicing for what God did. But there were also many more people who probably did not respond to an altar call and I'm not quite sure where they're at. We all have those questions about, you know, where is so-and-so with the Lord? If they show up twice a year, do they have a true relationship with God? And we have all these questions that come up when Easter services come and go. And then we get back to normal church, right? So here you are on a normal Sunday, right? The Sunday following Resurrection Sunday morning. And I'm gonna talk to you about a prayer for growth. And this is a prayer that many of us maybe have been exposed to. This is a prayer, if you haven't been exposed to it, you can pray for others. In fact, I'm gonna throw out a challenge to you this morning. I'm gonna call it a text challenge. And what I'm gonna ask you to do is be thinking about this week, one person per day this coming week, that you can text and say, I am praying Colossians 1, 9 through 14 over you. Just one person a day. And I think you're gonna see why this is so significant and this has many beautiful layers, but let's go ahead and pray one more time. Father, we have come here to hear from you, so I wanna just get out of your way and I pray that you would speak, your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Lord, and your word is alive. Your word is living, it's active, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's compared by Jesus to a seed that goes into soil. And the, when it is productive is when it hits the right soil, Father. And I pray that we would be good soil this morning, that we have, have ears to hear what the Spirit would say, what you would say to us, our Lord and Savior, and that we would respond with a heart to do what you say, Father. So just lead us, guide us, um, just ha- let our hearts be receptive to what you have to say. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. 
Now before we go into the text, I'll backtrack for a second. Paul was talking about the Colossian believers. He's addressing them. He's never met these believers. In verse five, he talked about, uh, go back to verse four. He said, they had a sincere faith. We heard of your sincere faith since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Faith and love are two of the most beautiful and foundational things that Christians possess. Faith in Jesus Christ and love for God and for one another. The love you have for all the saints. This is a great uh, commendation of this church because, Paul says, of the hope, notice these two words, laid up for you in heaven. I mentioned to you that that hope that Paul is talking about being laid up, has the idea, excuse me, of being on layaway. And it's a promise, it's a reservation that God has made for us. It's a hope reserved for us in heaven. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves, what? Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, Where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's Matthew 6, 19 through 21. This hope is on layaway. It's laid up. Jesus said in John 14, verse 2, I go and prepare a place for you. There's a place on the ark for you. There's plenty of rooms. In my Father's house there are, how many? Many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. If there wasn't a heaven, Jesus said, I would have told you. And since it's impossible for God to lie and Jesus is God, there is a heaven based upon the authority of Jesus Christ and there's a place for you. In fact, there's a hope laid up for you in heaven. There's a spot for you. Aren't you glad? Now, I'm praying for a mansion and a yacht, personally. (laughs) I don't know if I'm gonna get either one, really, but... But I think what the key is to know is that heaven is about who is there. And who is there is our Savior. He's at the right hand of God the Father. He ever lives to intercede for us and the saints that have gone on before us, right? A great reunion day is coming. And this is the hope we have. This hope is laid up for you. It's not pie in the sky. It's not something phony. Jesus Christ said it was real. He said there was a heaven. He said he was preparing a place for us. Amen? So we stand on those promises, and that hope is laid up. It's a hope, a living hope, 1 Peter 1.3, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a hope which is imperishable. It's undefiled. It will not fade away. It's, in, it's reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith. Just write down 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. That's what I just quoted. It's It's not going to fade. It's not going to be stolen away. God has it protected, and it's there for you and for me. Paul said, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. This is 2 Timothy 4.8, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. The crown in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, this is what I know. I have a hope, this hope is the anchor of my soul as I go through the storms of life. That hope anchors me. Now the Colossians were going through their own storm and their own storm was a whole mixture of false teaching which I described to you two weeks ago. 
It was a mixture of Jewish mysticism and Greek Gnosticism and all these crazy ideas of these many intermediaries between the true God and man. And they were worshiping angels and they were all into legalism and that kind of thing. And it was just some, some people were on the extreme of what's called asceticism. They were beating themselves up, literally whipping themselves to stay in the right spot. And others were saying, ah, oh, it doesn't matter what you do anyway. Uh, so they were just kind of just doing whatever they wanted with their body because they said only their spirit was good. I heard a pastor recently tell a, a story about Greek mythology. He said there was a, an idea of this island in Greek mythology. I think it's called the Song of the Sirens. And he said there was this, the, in Greek mythology, ships would go by this island and these, the, these uh, I don't know if they were supposed to be like uh, angels or something like that, but the, there's these women on this island. They, they sing this beautiful, captivating song. And any ship that went by the island, when they heard the song, they were just drawn to the island. But as soon as they would move the ship towards the island, they would hit rocks that were around the island, and every ship would sink, and none of the ships would survive. So I don't know how anybody got word to this certain captain, but this is one of the faults of Greek mythology. But anyway, he heard about this island. Since nobody survived, I don't know how he heard about it. But anyway, he heard about this island. He was going to be the one that overcame. So he agreed with his shipmates. He said, look, I want you guys to tie me to the front of the ship. Tie me, like rope me off, so that when the song plays, uh, we won't be tempted to move the ship towards the island. And I want to hear the song. I want to know what the song is. So they tied him to the front of the ship, and the rest of the shipmates put wax in their ears. And when they went by this island, the song began to be sung, and the captain heard it, and he was totally drawn, and he wanted to go, but nobody could hear his pleas. And he said, please ignore my pleas to go over there. And they couldn't hear him anyway, because they had wax in, in, in their ears, and he heard the song. And, and they didn't go to the island. He was able to go back and tell others about the song. Well, there was another man that was able to hear the song and overcome it, and he was a famous musician. And when the ship went by the island, they were also drawn to the song but instead of uh, them just kind of being drawn into the rocks, he began to sing a more beautiful song. And in singing his more beautiful song, they were more captivated by his song than the song on the island, and the ship survived. And here's the point. The ascetics try to tie themselves up, and they say, uh, this is how I won't break God's law. I'll, I'll beat myself. I'll tie myself up in bondage. I hope that's not what you're doing as a Christian. I hope that you deny uh, temptation and you obey Jesus Christ because you have discovered a more beautiful song. Amen? Amen? A song that is much more rich than the stuff of the flesh. Look, I know it attracts us all. I know temptation is tempting by definition. There's many things in this world that captivate us, but we have, we have a more beautiful Savior. Amen? And what we do, we do because of what He's done for us. Now, when the word of God goes out, it bears fruit. This is verse six. We're backtracking for a second, but he says this word, this gospel, that this hope that's been laid up for you in the word of truth, end of verse five, the gospel, notice, uh, it's come to you just as in all the world. He's probably speaking here of the Roman world. Also, as it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Now the, the word of God or the gospel is described as bearing fruit all over the place. It's, it's a fruit bearing thing. Now uh, it, it's interesting when so, some of you, when you grew up and you went to elementary school, did anybody you do those projects with the seed? You put the little you know, seed in the jar and you watch it grow. And it's a marvelous thing to see the, the majesty of a seed. 
Because a seed gets planted in the ground and you, know, you put it in the soil and you water it and sunlight and all of a sudden this beautiful plant comes. We overlook miracles that happen every day, guys. God made creation in Genesis 1, 11, and 12. He made plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what are you wrestling with in your life? In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's no secret the Christian life is difficult, but you can take comfort in knowing you are not alone. In Pastor Michael Lance's book, Suit Up, he shows you a revealing look at God's armor and how the Lord will equip you to face the world. You'll learn about the nature of the battle, who the real enemy is, and God's provision to be victorious. Learn about how each piece equips you for spiritual battle when you get your copy of Suit Up today on walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And I want to hear the song. I want to know what the song is. So they tied him to the front of the ship and the rest of the shipmates put wax in their ears. And when they went by this island, the song began to be sung and the captain heard it and he was totally drawn and he wanted to go, but nobody could hear his pleas. And he said, please ignore my pleas to go over there. And they couldn't hear him anyway because they had wax in, in their ears and he heard the song. And, and they didn't go to the island. He was able to go back and tell others about the song. Well, there was another man that was able to hear the song and overcome it, and he was a famous musician. And when the ship went by the island, they were also drawn to the song, but instead of uh, them just kind of being drawn into the rocks, he began to sing a more beautiful song. And in singing his more beautiful song, they were more captivated by his song than the song on the island, and the ship survived. And here's the point. The ascetics try to tie themselves up and they say, uh, this is how I won't break God's law. I'll, I'll beat myself, I'll tie myself up in bondage. I hope that's not what you're doing as a Christian. I hope that you deny uh, temptation and you obey Jesus Christ because you have discovered a more beautiful song. Amen? Amen? A song that is much more rich than the stuff of the flesh. Look, I know it attracts us all. I know temptation is tempting by definition. There's many things in this world that captivate us, but we have, we have a more beautiful Savior, amen? And what we do, we do because of what he's done for us. Now, when the word of God goes out, it bears fruit. This is verse six. We're backtracking for a second, but he says this word, this gospel, that this hope that's been laid up for you in the word of truth, end of verse five, the gospel, notice, uh, it's come to you just as in all the world, he's probably speaking here of the Roman world, also as it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Now the, the word of God or the gospel is described as bearing fruit all over the place. It's, it's a fruit bearing thing. Now, uh, it, it's interesting when so, some of you, when you grew up and you went to elementary school, did anybody you do those projects with the seed? You put the little you know, seed in the jar and you watch it grow. And it's a marvelous thing to see the, the majesty of a seed because a seed gets planted in the ground and you, know, you put it in the soil and you water it in sunlight and all of a sudden this beautiful plant comes. We overlook miracles that happen every day, guys. God made creation in Genesis 1, 11, and 12. He made plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them 
on the earth, and it was so. That's Genesis 1.11. When God made the trees and the plants, he made them with seeds within them. That's why you get to still eat apples and oranges and things like that, because they're seed-bearing plants. And so the seed goes into the ground, but we know one of the keys for the seed is that when it goes into the ground, it has to hit the right soil. The conditions have to be right. Now, this is how this ties in with Easter Sunday. The word of God is described by Jesus in the parable of the sower of the soils as seed. The sower went out to what? Sow his seed. And he threw the seed out. And Jesus described four types of soils. And only one soil actually produced a crop. It was 30, 60, and 100 fold. And the key was it was good receptive soil. But other soils, it fell on rocky ground or it, it it grew up for a little bit, but then it was choked off by the worries of life and persecution and so forth. Do you see the analogy? The, the word of God goes out, but what determines growth, the seed is good, but the soil has to be ready and prepared. And so what happens is, even in Jesus' parable, he says, in one of the cases when the seed is on the road, the birds came, and what did they do? They snatched it away. And there's some people that they, they come in and they hear the gospel presentation, but their, their hearts are hard, and the seed just sits on top. It doesn't penetrate. And the birds come by. Here, Jesus describes this as Satan and snatches away what was heard in that person's life. And so this is what happens often when people hear the same message. One person responds and gets saved, and another person seems to be impenetrable. They, there's no difference in their life. And, and you say, well, what's going on there? Why is it that one person is producing fruit and seems to have had a total life change and another person, nothing's happened? They seem to be the same old person because they were not born again. And the seed in the parable of the sower is described as the word of God. Now listen to this. This is what makes this seed unique. The word of God is filled with the life of God. And when a person is actually receptive soil, the seed is the word of God filled with the life of God. And when it begins to grow, what comes out of that person is the life of God. Amen. It's Christ in us, what? The hope of glory. We'll see that later in the chapter. Here's the point. When you begin to grow, you're going to be, begin to manifest the qualities of Jesus Christ. Now, you won't be a little God. That's a heresy. But you will be like Jesus. That is, he's conforming us more into the image of Jesus Christ. And the Bible even says in 1 John 3, when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him just as he is. So this is what the seed of the word of God does. And it came to the Colossian believers, and it was producing great fruit. If you go over to 1 Peter for a second, 1 Peter, just a little bit to your right. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 22. This is what the word of God has done in your life if you're a Christian. 1 Peter 1, 22, Peter says these words. Since, 1 Peter 1, 22, you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. 1 Peter 1, 23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, 1 Peter 1.24, all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, putting aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, 
Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. The word of God causes growth in your life, but the only way that you can get growth in your life is to get the seed into you. And there's only one way to get the seed into you, and that is to partake in it, to open your Bible, to let it go deep into you. And the more of the seeds that go in, the more growth that comes out. I will show you a man or a woman, Psalm chapter one, you don't have to turn there, go back to Colossians, who's like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season. Whatever he does, she does prospers. It's the man or woman who meditates on the word of the Lord, how often? Day and night. I'll show you what he's like. The wicked are not so, they're like chaff. So this is the key. This is a prayer for growth, and this is what happens in people's lives. The word of God goes out, but the question is, are we receptive soil? And this is now what Paul is going to pray for the Colossian believers, a prayer for growth, that you may grow thereby. Little babies crack me up because when they're hungry, they let you know, right? They long for the pure milk. Either they have to call mama <laughs> or they get a baba. It's either mama or a baba. Baba is short for bottle. At least it was when my kids were small. <laughs> and when they wanted that bottle, oh, <laughs> and then they get the bottle. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if we came into church like that? <laughs> no, nah, not crying and whining. Which I know some of us do do. <laughs> But longing for the pure milk of the word. Man, I gotta have some milk. Amen. Amen? Now we know the metaphors in the Bible kind of switch around and we know we gotta move from milk to meat. And I remember in our household, we had to have a formal ceremony when we retired the Baba. Because <laughs> the Baba is a comfort thing. Like you, go, you go to sleep with it. So one day, I can't remember which of the boys it was, I had to do a formal ceremony and I... Dad had to step in because the bottle, it, there was a lot of drama going on with the bottle and it was time to move on. And I said, do you see the baba? The baba's going bye-bye. Baba, bye-bye. <laughs> and we did a formal ceremony where I dropped it in the trash can outside. Gone. Did a salute. <laughs> we need to grow. <laughs> Verse 9, chapter 1. For this reason also. Now Paul mentioned that when you read scripture and you see something like that, you ask the question, for what reason? Well, because Paul had heard about this incredible faith in this church. He was informed, verse 8, about their love in the Spirit. This was a, a great church. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, heard of your faith, your love, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled, the Greek word is plerao, it's the same word used to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5. Since the day we heard about your faith, we, we have not ceased to pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, if you're taking, an, if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, um, this is the prayer, and the first point of the prayer is to pray for somebody to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, how many of you struggle sometimes with knowing God's will? Every hand in this place should go up. Because sometimes it's difficult, especially in specific situations where we're wondering about a job or a move or what we should do in this case or that case. And we struggle sometimes with the will of God. 
And so Paul, the first plank of his prayer for the Colossian believers is, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you would be full of God's will, notice, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You could translate it this way, by means of all spiritual wisdom and insight. The prayer is to be filled with God's will, to know God's will. The vehicle is spiritual wisdom and insight. Now, how do you get spiritual wisdom and insight? Well, you get it primarily through the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit can also nudge us and speak to us. But we already know that the Spirit is spoken through the Word of God. So the first place we want to go is the Word of God. We want to make sure that we're looking at what God has already said. If you're doing something that's against the Bible verse that's clear in its context, then you're wrong. So sometimes we're looking for loopholes and we try to find a book that gets us off the hook, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, well, this book says what I'm doing is all right. Well, let's see what the book says about what you're doing, right? Amen? This is where spiritual wisdom and insight come from. Amen. Amen. We don't want to fall into the trap of the world that says whatever feels right is right. Just do it if it feels good. I want to encourage you to always seek the Word of God to find real answers. Well, friends, please remember that we have resources to help you grow in your walk and your understanding of the Word of God. You can visit our online store at walkintruth.com. Remember, anything that you purchase will contribute to this ministry being on the air. And on that note, we could use some monthly financial partnership to help get Walk in Truth on more radio stations to reach more people. You can give when you visit walkintruth.com and you can partner with us with a Walk in Truth partnership. That's a monthly gift to be a monthly partner in getting this ministry all around the world. Well, there's more to come on this teaching called A Prayer for growth. So be sure to listen next time on this station. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.